Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be delving into the Spring Feast of the Lord. So tune in for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. We are going to be discussing Passover today, but before we get into that, my last episode was about Purim, and I had a listener who was a little bit confused about what drawing lots meant, or even casting lots, which is what Purim means. Um, So making a chance decision by using lots, straws or pebbles, that are thrown or drawn. So it was the act of making up your mind about something. So you would throw straws or rocks or whatever it was that you had. And however they they landed was helped you make the decision you were going to make. And evidently that's what Haman did in deciding on what day he was planning on annihilating, annihilating the Jews. So hopefully that was helpful. And let's go ahead into Passover or Pesach. Um, It is the festival of Passover. It has been celebrated for over 3,500 years. It is a spring feast, and it typically falls, not even typically, it does fall on the 14th of Nisan, typically March or April, which is the first month of the Hebrew calendar. It's also known as a season of our freedom, which makes sense if you know anything about Passover. Um, We are to celebrate it so that we might always remember the exodus of the Israelites, slavery in Egypt, and to celebrate freedom. It is foundational to all of the other feasts. I kind of wanted to talk about that for a minute as well. Um, I first celebrated Passover when I was still probably in elementary school. Um, Remember, I grew up in a non-denominational Pentecostal church. My mother, for a couple years anyways, uh, decided she wanted to be in charge of the younger ladies. And it kind of was, they were called missionettes. We were called missionettes. And I remember we were prim, primroses, I think. Um, Basically, it's like the Girl Scout version, uh, Christian version of Girl Scouts. Um, And she had us celebrate the Passover and explain the different meanings of it. And I remember thinking at the time, even in elementary school, why don't we celebrate this as a church every single year, especially since Yeshua is so clearly in it? Um, The only other thing that I do recall about that was um, my sister putting a little too much horseradish on her matzah and took a big old bite and started crying because it was absolutely terrible. But... um, Of course, I thought that was funny because I was not a very good sister. But anyways, um, that is my first, it was my first experience with Passover. And we'll also be discussing the Feast of Unleavened Bread, also known as Chag Hamatzah, and the Feast of First Fruits, also known as Yam HaBikurim. Because you cannot truly celebrate and understand the significance of these feasts if you only observe one of them. They really go together. So, on to the first festival we'll be talking about, which is Passover. I did want to make sure that it's very clear. Um, One of the reasons that I'm actually a couple days late is because the first podcast I did, my husband said, 
I don't think you're quite ready to, to have this discussion. It actually was titled, If You're Woke, You Need to Wake Up. So just to give you an idea of what I was talking about. Um, but also because Passover is such a deep, deep festival. Um, you can delve into this your whole life and still get new meaning from it every time you read about it. Um, whether it's in the Bible or from this book that I myself am going to be reading from. I know I've actually mentioned this book before. I'm pretty sure I've actually read from it before. Um, it's called The Complete Guide to Celebrating Our Messiah in the Festivals by Susan Mortimer. I cannot say enough good things about this book. Please go out and buy it for wherever books are sold. Um, you can even get it used. I actually think we did because I think on Amazon it's like $125. And I cannot imagine spending that much money on a book. Um, unless it's like a gold-plated Bible or something. Um, so that being said, I'm going to be reading a portion of it because if I actually read straight from the Bible about Passover, we would still be here in the summertime. So I'd like to get through this um, and, and try to get as deep as I possibly can in a 20-minute period. But also, um, I'm planning on talking about each feast probably each week and then bring it all together because... They really all do um, come together. And if you you know about each of the feasts separately, you'll be amazed about how they all are connected. So let's go ahead and dive in to the story of Passover, also known as Pesach. The Israelites were living in Egypt as slaves when an evil pharaoh ordered every Israelite baby boy to be drowned in the Nile. But one baby was hidden in a basket floating on the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter found him, took him as her son, and raised him as a prince of Egypt. She named him Moses, or Moshe, for she drew him out of the water. Obviously, I'm going to be pausing every so often and giving you my opinion, uh, opinionated commentary. Um, there is a fantastic movie you can watch with your children called The Prince of Egypt. Um, it's actually still my 18-year-old's favorite movie of all time. And that's saying a lot because he's 18 and has seen quite a few movies. He absolutely loves that movie. And it does a really good job of showing um, what the Bible is telling our children and telling us um, in story, you know, storyline features. Um, also, obviously, The Ten Commandments, another great movie. Um, ironically, they actually spin it a totally different way um, the Prince of Egypt does. And Prince of Egypt, he actually gets along with his brother Ramses, who turns out to end up being Pharaoh. Um, and the Ten Commandments, they never actually got along. So it's kind of interesting to watch different aspects and different ways that people have um, interpreted it um, or have filled in the blanks where the Bible kind of doesn't actually say whether they got along or not. So that being said, when Moses or Moshe had grown, he saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite slave. He killed the Egyptian and hid his body, but Pharaoh found out. And Mos Moses, or Moshe, had to flee for his life. He went to Midian and lived there for 40 years, taking care of sheep. He also got married and had two children. One day, God appeared to Moshe in a bush that was on fire, but did not burn up. God called from the fire, Moshe, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, also known as Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. I have heard the cries and seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey. Moshe and his brother Aharon, or Aaron, went to Pharaoh and said, The Lord God of Israel says, Let my people go to celebrate a festival to me in the desert. 
Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? I will not let Israel go. Aaron, or Aharon, threw down his staff as God had instructed, and it became a snake. Pharaoh's sorcerers threw down their staffs, and they became snakes. Though Aharon's staff swallowed up their staffs, Pharaoh would not yield. So God sent plague after plague, but each time Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not let the people go. First, God told Aharon to strike the Nile with his staff, and the Nile turned to blood. The fish died, the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink from it. Blood was everywhere in Egypt, but Pharaoh would not let the Israelites leave. Next, God sent frogs. The Nile teemed with frogs. They came into the palace and homes and into ovens and kneading troughs. But by their secret arts, the Egyptian magicians did the same things, so Pharaoh hardened his heart. Then Aharon struck the dust with his staff, and gnats came upon men and animals. When the magicians could not produce gnats by their secret arts, they told Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh would not listen. After that, God sent dense swarms of flies to Egypt. The houses were full of flies, but where the Israelites lived in Goshen, there were no flies. In this way, God made a distinction between his people and Pharaoh's. Pharaoh would not give in. Next came a terrible plague on the Egyptian livestock. Horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, and goats. Most of the livestock of the Egyptians died, but those of the Israelites were spared. Still, Pharaoh would not release them. After this, Moshe tossed soot into the air and festering boils broke out on men and animals. The magicians could not even stand before Mo Moshe because of the boils. But Pharaoh's heart was still hard. Following that, God sent fire and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. Hail killed everything in the fields, both men and animals, and it beat down every plant and tree. But no hail fell in Goshen. Even so, Pharaoh would not relent. Soon God sent an east wind to blow across the land all day and night, and it brought locusts. Never had there been such a plague of locusts. They devoured what little was left after the hail. This time God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Still more was to come. Moshe stretched out his hand toward the sky. Total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. Yet the Israelites had light. Even so, Pharaoh would not let them go. Then the Lord said to Moshe, This is to be the first month of your year. Tell all Israel that on the tenth day each man is to take a lamb, one for each household. They must be year-old males without defect. Care for them until the fourteenth day. Then all the people must slaughter them at twilight. Do not break any of the bones. Dip a bunch of hyssop into the blood and put the blood on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses. That night, roast the meat and eat it along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast, or also known as hametz. Burn any left till morning. Eat with your cloak and sandals on and a staff in your hand. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt, striking down every firstborn, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague won't touch you when I strike Egypt. As a lasting ordinance, celebrate Passover or Pesach. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast, or hametz. On the first day, remove the yeast, hametz, from your houses. When your children ask, what does this ceremony mean to you? Tell them, it is a Passover, Pesach, sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and struck down the Egyptians. That is Exodus 12, 1-13. Obviously, it's been abridged. 
So the Israelites did what God commanded, but the Egyptians did not. At midnight, God brought death to the firstborn in Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh to the firstborn of the slave girl and the firstborn of all the animals as well. There was loud wailing all over Egypt, for there was someone dead in every house that did not have the blood of a lamb on the door. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moshe and Aharon and said, Get up and leave. The Israelites had lived in Egypt for 430 years. When they left, there were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. So that's not even including the, the women and children. The Egyptian people sent them off with gifts of gold and silver. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what I just read. So God tells them to get a lamb without blemish and take it into their home for 14 days. So you're taking this cute little lamb that has no blemish and taking care of it in your home with you, living with you for 14 days. Some people are like, oh, not a big deal. You've clearly never had any kind of animal in your home. I can tell you right now, I think it's four years ago when I agreed to allow us and our children to have chickens, um, that we could have the chickens, but they were being bought because I needed to have some nice farm raised or free range eggs. And after they would no longer produce the eggs, we were going to kill them and eat them. The children agreed. We still have six of those chickens. And sometimes they are not so great at producing eggs. And even when I mention the idea of killing one and eating it, my children get very, very upset. Um, we have lost quite a few chickens due to natural causes and or other animals eating them. Each time my children are extremely, extremely upset. So I cannot imagine bringing in a chicken for 14 days and taking care of it like it's one of your children and then having to kill it. Once again, it's a foreshadowing of things to come. It's a foreshadowing of what God did for us with his son. He allowed his son to be killed, a spotless lamb. He became the Passover lamb for us so that we would be sinless before God and be able to have a relationship with him. How amazing is that, that he did the foreshadowing 3,500 years ago, over 3,500 years ago. And today we're still reaping the rewards of that. Isn't that amazing? Now, another thing that they do traditionally for Passover is spring cleaning. Traditionally, that's like the first time you're supposed to do cleaning. If you live in my home, we are consistently cleaning. And hopefully it's not always like spring cleaning where you're doing a thorough cleaning. But my kids would tell you that it is. So the night before Passover, traditionally, after the house has been cleaned, the mom will place pieces of bread that have yeast in them around the house. And then the father the next day will take the children around the house, searching out the bread. As each piece of bread is found, the father sweeps it onto a wooden spoon with a feather. I have no idea. I'm going to have to do some more research as to why exactly traditionally you do it with a feather and a wooden spoon, but I'm sure that there's some form of significance there. Um, but when all the bread has been found, it's taken outside and burned. A uh, yeast or hametz is a symbolic of sin. So it's burning shows that God rids us of our sins at the cross. Now I'm going to be hundred percent honest with you. There have been years where we have perfectly good food that has not been touched and we give it to somebody who's in need um, because we don't want somebody who's in need to go without who literally could care less about Passover. 
Now, you can also invite that person to Passover so they understand the significance of it. Um, and if I'm wrong, then you can go ahead and message me and tell me all about it. But that's something that sometimes we do do. Typically, we don't actually have any um, yeast in the house, per se, unless we actually have literal yeast because I am allergic to gluten. So a lot of times we'll use like corn tortillas, which don't have yeast in them at all. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something else to think about. Um, what do you have in your home that actually has yeast in it? And then you're supposed to get rid of it and take it out of your home. Um, it's actually a really fun time in our home because we'll buy a bunch of boxes of matzah. And if we want to, you know, the kids want to have sandwiches, they have it with matzah. We've made matzah bark with it. You should look up that recipe. Um, it's actually really, really good. Not necessarily for you, um, but it is finger licking good. So make it a fun event for your kids. I know like even reading over what happened with the Egyptians and the different plagues in this book, if you do get it, there actually are children activities for each feast. Cause it's not just the feast of Passover. It's, it's literally all the feasts and they actually have activities for your kids to do. And they actually have like a visual image of different um, activities that you can do showing like, Oh, it turned to blood. So you can do like water and you, you dye the water or whatever. And, I think we had straws and I don't know, you crumpled them up. It was, it was a very interesting uh, project, uh, arts and craft project that my kids actually still talk about today. And my youngest one is 12. So obviously it made an impression on, upon my kids. So I would encourage you to find something. If you don't even get this book, look on Pinterest and see what different Passover ideas um, family, different families do and have. Um, each family is different. They typically go over each uh things a little bit differently. You know, obviously in the Jewish community, they're going to go over Passover a lot differently than in a believer's home because we incorporate Yeshua because he is, he is clearly throughout um, the feast of Passover and in every feast, some he's already fulfilled and some uh, we're still waiting for him to fulfill. Passover is one of the feasts that he has clearly fulfilled. Um, it actually kind of is upsetting to me when you see that the Bible um, shows that and has commanded his people, the believers in Yeshua, and also those who are um, Jewish, um, of Jewish faith, to celebrate these different feasts. And instead of celebrating Passover, the church has fallen away from that and has decided to replace Passover with Easter. And if you do your research on Easter... Um, I think you'll come to the recognition that Easter's not really the greatest thing for you to be celebrating with your children or anyone for that matter. Um, Easter is not mentioned in the Bible at all. Ishtar is, is mentioned, but Easter is not. Passover is mentioned uh, quite a few times in the Old and the New Testament. So please check that out. Now, the blood of the lamb. Um, Passover or Pesach reminds us of the deliverance of the Israelites from bondage in Egypt. A lamb without blemish was killed and its blood was placed on the doorpost of the house. God guarded the door as the angel of death passed over. The picture of Passover or Pesach tells of greater things to come. Egypt depicts the condition of the world where all of mankind is in bondage, enslaved to sin. And Jesus, or Yeshua, is the lamb whose blood saves us from death by bringing eternal life and freedom from sin to all who believe. When God sends judgment, he always provides a way of escape for those who will respond to him. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, or Yeshua HaMashiach. Seal and Moshe Rosen describe his mercy beautifully from um, Christ in the Passover, which is another book. It said, this little passage says, God includes everyone in the death sentence in Exodus 11.5. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. God must do the just thing because he is God, but he balances his righteousness with his loving mercy. He decrees judgment for all sin and all sinners. Then he provides a way of escape, a kippura or kippura or covering. God provides the blood of the lamb as a covering. Israel's redemption began that night behind the safety of blood-sprinkled doors. It was a night of horror and grief for anyone who had foolishly disregarded God's command. The people knew that terror and death lay outside that door, which they dared not open until morning. The blood of the Lamb protected them from the wrath of the Almighty. In that all-filled night of waiting, they experienced God's loving protection, even in the midst of his fierce judgment. Now, we, we've already obviously gone through Passover. Um, that's really kind of the basics of it. I want to get a little bit uh, deeper into it probably my next episode. But I'm also going to be, once again, going over the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is Hag Matzah, and the Feast of First Fruits, which is Yom HaBikurim. I apologize if I'm butchering any of this Hebrew. Hopefully I'm saying it correctly. Um, Passover or Pasach is supposedly, technically supposed to... Um, not end until Pentecost or Shavuot, which is actually a little over seven weeks later than Passover. Um, so it's interesting to see in the same way, the saga of Jesus or Yeshua's resurrection did not end until he sent a comforter similar to himself as his replacement at Pentecost or Shavuot, which is the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. Um, there are also some very um, traditional Bible readings that you can read um during Passover, I don't know if you have a paper and a pen that you can write this down or type it out on your computer, but you have um, the the Shabbat, which is the one right before Passover, uh, the Great Shabbat. Typically, they read Malachi 3, 4, um, 4 through 6. Um, then they read Matthew 16, 13 to 28, Matthew 20, 17 through 19. These are obviously ones that are traditional for Messianic believers. Um, you're not going to find a Jewish believer who's going to read from the Bible, a.k.a. Matthew. Um, each day, they read. you can read a daily portion of Yeshua's final days in addition to the readings below, which are the first day you read Exodus 12, 21 to 51, which is the first Passover before leaving Egypt. Numbers 28, 16 to 25, which are the instructions for celebrating Passover or Pesach. Joshua 3, 5 through 7, and 5, 2, and then 6, 1, which is the consecration, Passover, Pesach, before entering the promised land. And then you have, um, for the Shabbat, you can read Exodus 33, 12 through 34, 26, Ezekiel 36, 37 to 37. Seventh day, you can read Exodus 13, 17 to 15, God saves Israel at the Red Sea, reminds, of his, reminds them of his decrees. 2 Samuel 22, I apologize. 2 Samuel 22, 1 through 51 is David's song of deliverance. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13 
is Christ or Hamashiach, the rock that gave water in the wilderness. And on the eighth day, you can read Deuteronomy 15, 19 through 16 and 17, firstborn animals and the three pilgrimage feasts, Isaiah 10, 32, 12 and 6, the root of Jesse, a messianic reference. So obviously the Passover is all throughout the scriptures. So if you didn't get all of those different scriptures I gave you, you can easily go to your own Bible and look those up, or you can even use your YouVersion app, which I really like. Um, you can type in Passover and a lot of, um, every time the Passover is mentioned will pop up for you. So I would encourage you to do your own research on this, but also choose to celebrate this in your own home at the very least, or even in a synagogue or congregation with others. And if you're even bigger than that, with other churches, bring churches in if you can and teach them about what the word of God says about these things. Because a lot of us who grew up in the church had no idea, no idea that Yeshua is throughout all these different feasts. And I pray that once our eyes are open, that we will choose to follow what the word of God tells us to do and not what the rest of the world is doing. Now, with that being said, I'm going to leave you like I always do with the ironic blessing, which you can find in number six, 20, uh, 24 to 26 it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord keep, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and grant you his shalom. Bashem Yeshua, Sa Shalom. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Now may you have a great week and I'll see you all again next week.